a couple weeks ago, we dropped a three-step framework of how you get to the point where community becomes a really effective play for you. And in the beginning of that framework is this need for an evangelist, this person that's out there evangelizing a problem, generating insights, creating content that can coalesce this community. So for this episode, this is my frameworks for how evangelism has worked for me all the way from my days in Miami as a green building consultant through these days where I've been able to use the same formula that took me five, six years to really get known to become a keynote speaker in just under two years in a field that I was previously not a part of. So I hope you really enjoy this. It's got everything from who really needs an evangelist, right? What stage in your company and like what you're trying to do to really merit the need for an evangelist, the value of it and and, and what it brings to a company. And then these different frameworks that I've used from how you engage with people so that you can evangelize a problem, how you get these insights, um, and then how you create content around it to, to get that flywheel spinning. I hope you really, really enjoy this. This is all in preparation to us dropping our fourth cohort of the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp, right? Like this idea that we do these live internet talk shows in order to evangelize, gather insights, express our POV, create the content all in one motion to drive community. That's what this show represents for us and what we do for our clients. So what we do is we teach you it in a, in a span of six weeks and it's um, you know complete with all of our frameworks, all of our SOPs and all the concepts so that you walk out of there ready to roll with your own internet talk show to build your own community. So hope you join us Go to bethestage.live slash bootcamp if you want to sign up for this round. Uh, the last one was amazing, so I'm really pumped for this new one. But for right now, enjoy this uh, presentation of How to Be an Evangelist. Let me know what you think. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome. To the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 211 of the B2B Community Builder Show. Today, we're doing something special. Today, we are doing a workshop. This is a, a version of a presentation that I have given in the past about how to build influence inside your market, but I'm contextualizing it to evangel to evangelism, right? How to evangelize within your marketplace, right? This is a growing title inside of companies. I really foresee this to be a major trend of a demanded role inside of companies as the world continues to move to this community-first driven business development stuff, right? Communities becoming more and more of a trend. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we did the 
four, st- the three levels that you need to get to community. And at level one, you need an evangelist, right? So as people are adopting more and more of this evangelism thing, this is going to be more and more in demand. So I want to share with you the things that have worked for me that I've now basically done almost carbon copy with an evolution twice, right? When I reinvented myself from being in California, moving to Miami, started my green building company. I went hard at evangelism. I didn't even know what I was doing back then. And these things all worked in the analog world. And then now as I transitioned into marketing and the digital world and all these different things, I've employed these same exact tactics, just contextualized to our modern day business environment and wrapped it into a go-to-market strategy that I think you're really, really going to enjoy. So checking in the chat. I want to see you. We're going to do the open mic AMAs right after this. I just want to remind everybody, we have the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp that's coming up starting in February, end of February. We're kicking off cohort number four. The first three have been amazing. The classes get better and better. I'm going to be, you know, we have a discount code to give for that. I'll talk to you about that later. But if you really want to evangelize something, if you really want to show up everywhere and get these insights that we talk about today, you're going to see that this idea of having your own internet talk show is really the best, the the number one cheat code that I have figured out. So I hope to have this, you know, as good a talent as we did on the last one. And I want to welcome those of you that checked in. Yakup, my co-bro, a great, great content thought leader that is the category king of AI content. I'm sure you must be you must be having some time in the sun right now with chat GTP Yakup. I love it. Lori Goldman, the super connector of our community, is in the house. Lori, love to have you here. Lori's a, an alum of the of the of the relationship flywheel bootcamp. Michael Haynes, my buddy in Australia now. I officially have a friend in Australia. Michael gave me some really good, um, man, really good insight into gaining how to listen to the market that we're probably going to do a show together soon. Michael specializes in service-based SMEs, and he's a CEO consultant for that. We got G-Star in the house, live from Austin. She's our chief heart officer. We got Cheryl Hayes. Cheryl, good to see you from Fort Worth, Texas. Cheryl is, um, she's like a mentor for startups. And we met at the Badass Business Summit. Good to see you in here, Cheryl. Pratiti, my dear, dear friend Pratiti, who is a realtor and mindset coach who is doing amazing, amazing things in the in the Pennsylvania area. Anybody else? All right, cool. Nobody else is checking in. We'll kick this thing off. So don't forget to stick around. Once I'm finishing up with this presentation, Ryan's going to let you to be a panelist and become a part of this. But for right now, how to become an evangelist. Frameworks that I've used from going from unknown to keynote speaker in just two years, right? It's, it's kind of crazy, this idea that um, I didn't really consider myself a marketer not that long ago. And about three months ago, I gave a keynote in Silicon Valley. I've been invited to speak on a bunch of different stages. This has been a very, very rapid evolution for me. The first time that I implemented these these frameworks, it took me about three to five years right, in the Miami market to really get known for the thing that I was trying to do, which back then was green building. Green building was this new thing. And it was rising demand, kind of like how community is, right? So a lot of parallels in this space. And this idea of an evangelist, right? Companies have this chief evangelist role that is that is really starting. The first guy that became famous doing it was Guy Kawasaki. And the reason for an evangelist is a couple of different things. So this, this may be you, this may matter to you, right? You're innovating. There's a new way to solve a problem that you are bringing to market. And therefore, you need somebody out there spreading the message that this new thing that nobody's ever heard of exists. That's why tech companies lean so much into into evangelism, right? Salesforce, Apple, Canva, all these folks have been doing this stuff. Another reason, you're getting ahead of a trend. This describes me. My whole life, I'm this visionary. I was ahead of the trend in green building. I've been ahead of the trend in community. I've been evangelizing it for eight years. And at the end of the day, if you're getting ahead of a trend, if you are somebody that is putting their stake in the ground as far as this thing is coming, and when it does, you're going to want to call me. You need to be out there evangelizing. There, You need to be out there gaining the attention of people and the insights and how they think of things so that by the time the market comes around, you're known as the category king or queen, right? You're known as that go, 
go-to person. Jakob has done this really, really well through content as well, right? He put his he put his stake on the ground of content AI about a year and a half ago. And now with ChatGPT, I'm sure his phone is ringing off the hook. Another thing, you're changing the narrative inside of your company. This describes a lot of our clients. They have a unique way that they solve a problem because they have seen inside inside of their industry, people are just doing it wrong. JWB, creating turnkey rental property investing opportunities, realizes that the whole world wants to invest in real estate, but they end up putting their money in the stock market. So they created an easy way to invest in real estate. Daniel Wren with Wren Financial, he understands that doctors are behind the eight ball financially when they first graduate and they need some really, really good advice and the fee-based structure for them doesn't really make sense. They, the way the, because the incentives aren't there, right? So he created a different business model to serve them with upfront costs. Our buddy, Matt Kleinrock with the event marketing redefined podcast, the events industry, the trade show industry. So many people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars just because they're supposed to show up and he's fed up with it. Right. Like with he wants to change that into an ROI creating thing. Right. So when you are changing the narrative, you are bound to want to evangelize this idea that the world was this way. That's not the best way to do it. This is the way to do it. And that's why it's good to evangelize at that point. If you're a mission driven company, you want to be an evangelist because people can know you for your products. People can know you for your service. People can know you for all these things. But if what you're trying to like really aspire to do is solve this big change in the world and you're doing that through your business, that doesn't necessarily happen through just interacting with a product. You want to be evangelizing this idea of building a better tomorrow, not just, not just building products. We're doing a little bit of this too, right? Our idea of relationships over transactions is something that we very, very much evangelize because we believe that our mission is to to prove that to the world. This idea that company is going to be built with with mission in mind, and that is another ongoing trend. Another reason why the evangelist role is growing. And finally, you just want to be a you want to dominate the market, right? I've I've said this a lot of times, right? Category design. This idea of becoming synonymous with the problem that you solve. If you become the category king, you capture seventy six percent of the market share. Category design has three kind of tenants that are really tied into it, which is evangelism and community because of things that we're going to discuss. So that is, if that's you, then you're going to get a lot out of this presentation. If that's you, if you're trying to change the market, we're trying to change the narrative, you got something innovative, you're out in front of something. This is going to be super, super useful. This is all stuff that I have done over and over again now, and it works. So, so let's start with the why, right? Why are you out there evangelizing things? You're out there evangelizing stuff. Because you are trying to build a coalition of people that see the world and, and, and want to attack this problem the way that you see it as well. And I love to think about this idea of diversification. If you are just one company, if you're just targeting one customer base, then all of your insights and all your things are going to come from one area. But as we know, it, when it comes to when it comes to investing, one of the tenets of investing is diversification. Why? Because you need to be exposed to other things that can happen around you, right? Like you need to be able to have your hands in different buckets. And this idea of evangelizing allows you to not just go a mile deep with your client, but go into a whole ecosystem. You want to create these like many, many tentacles of ways that can bring in insights, that can bring in value to your clientele. And the way that you do that is by getting out there and being the biggest bat signal for that problem that you want to see in the world and letting things come to you that way. It diversifies the influences that you get and make you more, more well-rounded. It makes you more protected in the ecosystem if people know you for this thing and they're coming inbound. Second, Black swans, right? And anybody know the concept of a black swan, right? This idea of an event that you could not have seen coming that completely changes the trajectory of the things that you're doing forever. And now the world is different. You can incrementally build many, many things. And that at the end of the day, consistency is the key to success in business. But there is nothing that will completely change the trajectory of what you're doing and affect you positively than the right relationship then the right introduction, then the right insight from somebody that just like all of a sudden makes it click. So by being an evangelist, you are systematizing your ability to be exposed to these black swans. Nassim Tlaib, this guy wrote a book called Black Swan, where he called it an investment strategy also. And he basically talked about this idea that you build wealth 
by investing in like 85, 90% and like things that are real, real safe. And then you expose yourself about 10 to 15% to things with super high upside. And I believe that that's how businesses should run. You should do your consistent stuff. You should keep that flywheel turning. You should keep that machine going in that one direction, but you always want to have this exposure to the exponential, right? Like what is that new vertical that you can get into? What's this new partnership that all of a sudden can get you distribution across a bunch of different things? The evangelist provides that. And finally, businesses are an exchange of value, right? Like you have to be out there creating value in the ecosystem. And at the end of the day, the world that we're moving into is really, really noisy. There is, everything is getting commoditized. Everything is, everything is being like made more and more convenient. And the way that you're going to win as a small business, the way that you're going to win as, as David versus Goliath is by the value that you can provide. And if you can have an evangelist out there that's out there beating the drum about things that people really, really care about and bringing people together and, and forging those connections and getting those insights and creating content, right? And, and doing these things that help people, that's the more value that you are going to create. One of the big, big lessons that we learned in our first two clients, one of them was this, it was like the a celebrity consultant of the stars, right? He had worked with Taylor Swift. He had worked with Rihanna, Katie Kirk and stuff like that. When we, and we went, when we went to build him a community, it was, it wasn't very easy. Like he had this notoriety, but people didn't really stick around and attach to it. While my, our second client was this activist who was helping artists in Philadelphia for a really, really long time and had created this, you know, she had evangelized this idea that artists could get, should be paid, should be compensated. The starving artist is a toxic thing. And when we launched a community for her, people came out of the woodworks and they stuck around because she had been actively evangelizing something, right? One guy, world-class, best in the world, greatest notoriety as far as like talent and being able to help. The other person she had just done it to so many people that when we went online, she already had evangelists for her, right? She already had people vouching for the value that she brings in, and it allowed the community to get to a thousand people real, real quick. So you you basically, you need to be out there. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, right? The, the, the role of the evangelist is to be problem obsessed, is to be insight driven, and the content creator. Because- we're going to explain the reasons why, right? But like you need to get out there and really understand how something affects people and the way that you present it really, really matters. And then driving those insights so that through those insights, you can continue to define this idea of what you're trying to solve for and create content around it. That is how you build the strongest weapon for client acquisition, historically proven for everybody, word of mouth, right? Like every business, as long as time, if you look at cost of client acquisitions plus operations has to be less than lifetime value for a client. The one thing that doesn't cost any money that drives down cost of client acquisition that increases lifetime value while keeping operations constant is word of mouth. And that is the job of the evangelist is to create this word of mouth flywheel to generate demand from people through word of mouth because that's that invisible hand that moves that moves businesses forward. So in order to do that, we're going to start with the problem side, right? Like this idea that you got to be problem obsessed. Listen to your boy Vanilla Ice, right? You got a problem? What do you think? Yo, I'll solve it, right? So if you get if you get real good at stating the problem, then people will understand that you have the solution. This is a, a tenant from category design that when that hit, it just, it just really, really makes a ton of sense. Because if you think about it, People don't like to be convinced to do things. They like to enroll in missions. So getting out there and evangelizing a problem allows somebody to join you on that journey and it becomes a much more powerful bond. There's a, a saying that I love to repeat, which is you never start a conversation with anybody. All you can do is join the conversation already happening inside their head, right? And the best way to join the conversation to have them join a conversation alongside of you is to agree on a problem that you both want to solve. Now you're both walking down that same direction. And you know, that, that, that is absolutely key. So when I first got to Miami, I didn't show up saying, Oh, I'm a green building consultant, right? I got to Miami and I said, 
I want to save Miami from sea level rise. This place is going to be the sacrificial lamb for sea level rise. And we got to do something about it. Yes, I agree. I want to do something about it. Okay, cool. Let's build green buildings, right? Like that, that allowed me to build my company and get and become known for that really quickly. Again, I've, I've been evangelizing this idea of community creation is the future of business development, right? That is what has attracted probably most of you to, to, to this community and the things that I do. Cause I don't shut up about that, right? Like I am beating the drum about how community is important, how we need to bring people together. And that, you know, draws in the folks that you want to do business with. So whether it is people that have come in because they want to do business with me, people because they believe in it and they're partners, that is the easiest way to coalesce an ecosystem around it through evangelizing a problem. And the best way to evangelize a problem is to have a clear point of view. And here I borrow the the framework of my friend John Ruji, who put it the easiest that I have found. And in order to state a point of view clearly, you want to state the current order of the world, identify the problem, talk about its consequences, paint a new way, and then talk about this improved state of affairs. So I'll give you an example. One of our clients, I mentioned him earlier, Ren Financial, he's got this Finance for a Physician show. And as we are evolving through the things that we're doing with him, we're trying to figure out what his real point of view is, right? Like we realized early on when we onboarded him that doctors are really struggling from burnout. That's a huge problem. And because he's so specialized in that world, he understands his clients really, really well. And what he's the 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 point of view that we ended up pointing out is he realized based on interactions with him, which is the insight side of it, that it's not the doctors that are the problem. It's not the field of medicine that's a problem. It's the system, right? The system in medicine creates an environment where they are not, they don't feel like they're in control, right? So what do we do? We laid out this point of view in a, in an episode, in a past episode. And it basically went like this, right? We have a medical system where costs are through the roof. Our, our health isn't doing very, very well as, as Americans. And worse, and the worst part about it is that doctors are burning out left and right. The problem is this system that does not allow them to make the best decisions for their patient. There's too many things in the way between the doctor and the patient telling them how to act that is making it so that patients are are getting ill, right? Like because insurance only allows you to treat symptoms, they're not able to provide the best preventative care or because there's these healthcare systems that are forcing them to spend less than 10 minutes per patient. They're not allowed to really get to like the root cause of the thing. That's all that's happening. And what's, what's that's creating is a lack of autonomy in, in physicians that, are making them want to quit medicine, right? They're they're they spend their days looking for side hustles and looking for passive income and and how do they retire early? But that doesn't solve the problem because all they're doing is working harder and harder and harder during their prime years to do something that they didn't study for, that they're not passionate for, but not to this like field that they love of helping people. And the best way out is entrepreneurship. Across Daniel's, across Daniel's portfolio of clients, the physicians that are happiest are entrepreneurs because they are able to call their own shots. They're able to do it. And more specifically, the direct care doctors, the doctors that have cut out the system and go straight to the patient and don't take insurance. They take this like subscription payment and they're taking care of you to prevent you from getting ill. They are the ones that don't shut up about how happy they are, how about how this thing is working. And at the end of the day, you know, this improved state of affairs, this direct care leads to healthier people, right? Because now we're preventing problems instead of, instead of treating symptoms. It leads to happier doctors, right? They're more into the work that they do. They're able to help. And this giant wave of things that are happening, these doctors all have giant waiting lists. So there's an opportunity to create these other markets for other doctors to step into this or help other doctors hiring, hire them. There's all this opportunity to create the CRM for it, the, the office backend stuff right? Like all these different things. That's the point of view we put out. The state of order, the problem, consequences, a new way and improved state of affairs. So I want to challenge you to think of that for yourself, right? Like if you're going to be out there evangelizing, think about this idea of what is your point of view, right? Like, and the best way to get a point of view, the way that Daniel arrived to this is through interacting with the marketplace, right? Like driving insights as much as possible so that you are getting it directly from them, and then 
putting that into your processor and then re-examining what it means, right? So a couple of things as far as gaining insights is you got to show up, <laughs> right? You got to be able to show up and you got to be in front of people. And in Miami, my, my thing was going room to room, networking events, right? Like whatever, whatever chamber of commerce thing. I love going to conferences, right? Like that is, that is big time ways of showing up where your market is. And the key to showing up is simple. Be there, right? Like when you show up, don't just, you know, don't just show up like, oh man, okay, well, I got to be here because I got to get some insights or whatever. Bring your best energy. It makes a huge difference. One of the, one of the big lessons that I learned when I was doing this stuff is I had this financial advisor, Ulti Molinari, and Ulti worked with much higher net worth people than me, but I met him at one of these networking events and he decided to, you know, take me on and help me out and, and kind of like guide my finances at the time. And it really struck me when one day he called me up and I saw, I saw the phone ring and I was like, Ulti, what's up, man? How you doing, dude? He's like, oh man. Oh, so he's this cool Albanian dude. And he's like, oh man. You know, Pablo, every time I call you, like, I know that I'm going to give you a form and I'm not excited about it, but you pick up the phone and you're so happy to hear from me. And I just love talking to you, man. And I was like, dude, this is it, right? The reason why I get insights from people and why people love to reach out to me is because when they see me, they associate it with a positive feeling. So whatever you're doing, add a little bit extra, right? Like whenever you are in public, I understand I'm, I'm a raging extrovert, so this comes naturally to me. But as an introvert or whatever you're doing, whatever position you're putting yourself into, bring your best. Bring your best when you're there in public, right? Because that's your moment to get those insights. Just add that little bit of extra energy. Add the extra like head tilt or the eyebrow raise, right? Like give people feedback on on how you're communicating with them and it'll allow them to open up, to, to, to give you these insights that are so precious for you to be able to carve out your POV. Next is the questions that you ask. You know, you, the questions that you ask are greatly going to determine the insights that you can get. This one hit me really, really hard early on in my career when it was just very, very clear that I didn't have anything to talk to people about, right? I was uh, at a lunch with the president of a local bank and another guy on the board of directors for the economic agency. And I realized real quick that my showing up in front of the room and trying to be like the funny Ace Ventura guy really, really had a shelf life. And I looked across the table and my buddy Oscar Lopez, who was a little bit younger than me, but a commercial banker, I saw him asking questions like, so what's your biggest, what's your biggest problem in business right now? You know, like, what are you doing to solve that stuff? Right. The questions that you ask and the way that you interact with folks makes a huge, huge difference. When you're walking into a room, the most common thing that people like to do is just talk to someone and be like, what do you do? Right. Those are not great insight questions. It's like, what do you do? Or what do you think? You know, like give them a business card and like tell them what you do kind of thing. That doesn't really, really help, right? When you're trying to drive insights, you want to ask open-ended questions. When I'm walking into a room, my favorite question to ask, or when I first talk to somebody is what brings you here, right? That allows them to start kind of like feeling comfortable that I'm trying to figure out what they're incentivized to do, right? Like what are they here to achieve? I can immediately become an ally, to whatever they are doing. So what brings you here is a great starter. When you are trying to get these qualitative insights in the market, right? You're out there evangelizing, you're asking questions. You don't want to ask questions that are leading people, right? So one of one of the great questions that, that allows you to do this is figure out what you solve for people. And for example, we help, we help evangelism thought leader. So Thought leadership is 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 part of evangelism as well, right? Like you can be creating you can be creating thought leadership, but at the end of the day, thought leadership is staying ahead of the market, trying to like say what's out there. Evangelism is really being in charge of a problem that you really really want to solve, right? Like a thought leader can be completely product driven, an evangelist is problem driven. So the difference is kind of that that base that that base start right like this idea that i can be a thought leader about the thing that i do all day long but you know you can be a futurist you can do whatever you're doing but this idea of evangelizing the problem 
evangelizing the thing that needs to be solved, where you don't necessarily need to talk about your solution. You're just evangelizing the need for this thing to go away, right? So that is that is where evangelism sits between that and thought leadership. So again, when you're asking questions, when you're trying to drive insights, we have created a very efficient model for people to be evangelists, for marketing content to make sense for a bigger business or a smaller business, right? So a good question that we like to ask is, hey, tell me how you're making marketing content, right? Like, is that, does does that feel like it's making sense to you, right? Like, do you, do you think that you are, are you, are you trying to put social media content out there? How does it feel? What are, what are you doing around solving this problem? Right. So like asking those questions and they're like, no, nah, not really. Haven't really thought about it. Cool. I don't need to evangelize this thing to you. Right. Or, or I go into this idea. I was like, oh, well, you know, man, I, I get that. I get the fact that you are focused on just solving your client's needs at some point, you know, when you're looking for more and more word of mouth, if you want to grow, what people are doing is doing this thing. Right. But like at the end of the day, asking somebody, how are you solving for something? will give you an insight into how how serious they are about it, right? So how am I solving for it? Oh, well, you know, I got a social media manager. We do like the the holiday posts, this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Do you, do you think that that's working for you, right? So at that point, you ask them an opinion. So I went from fact, how are you doing this thing to do you think this is happening, right? So then you get them into opinion mindset. Well, you know, the truth is it feels kind of like I'm just checking the box, right? Oh, so... So once they give you that opinion, then you move into a feeling question. Oh, really? What makes you feel that way? Right. And now they're, and now they've opened up this like portal from like just answering black and white questions to talking about opinions to talking about feelings. And those kinds of answers are the things that give you the insights to then talk to the next person about like, Hey, does it feel like the stuff you're putting online? X, repeat what the other person said. Right. So that is now the way that you're creating insights. And it all it all starts with the types of questions that you ask. There's a really, really great book about this. It's called The Mom Test. Uh, if you ever want to like read up on on how to do that type of qualitative research, highly, highly recommend it. But as an evangelist, that's your job, right? Like you, you, you want to be out there asking these questions so you can gain these insights. When you are reaching out to people and you're engaging, right? Oof. That was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Like this is all about engaging. How do you engage? How do you get to somewhere that you can get these insights? You are inevitably going to have to use email. (laughs) So I'm not a expert in cold email or anything like that, but I've got a couple of things that really, really work well for me when it comes to email. Just two simple things that you can use immediately. Start your emails with a you, right? So many people, stop me if you've heard this, right? Like if you've gotten this cold cold email outreach, quick question. I was wondering if you do this. I am the head of blah, blah, blah. I specialize in this and that, right? Like as soon as I see like the word I starting off in three, like three different chat, three different paragraphs, I'm immediately just like this person's here to talk about themselves because they keep talking about themselves. I learned this idea of starting every email with the word you from Virginia Jacko, who is the CEO of the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind, who's this lady that was a banking executive, went blind late in life, and then became a customer of the lighthouse. And eventually they asked her to take it over and she's taken it from this like three bedroom bungalow to like a four story building with an attached parking garage and the first ever, the first ever sighted and unsighted preschool that they did in the US. And she told me this thing and it makes perfect sense, right? Because most people or you're generally most concerned with the things that affect you, right? If somebody takes a selfie or they take a group picture and they show it to you, what is the first thing you look at? Yourself, right? So 
this idea of we're most interested in ourselves and everybody else is just like us is very, very real. So if you can start an email letting that person know that this is about them, there is a much higher likelihood that they're actually going to read it. We literally just did this. We we hired a, a company to to set up this like automated email outreach for us. And they sent us these templates and it was exactly what I just told you. I'm looking for this person. I, I, I do this and I'd like to help you with that, right? Like we immediately changed the templates to, you seem like the person that handles marketing at this company. And your website says that, you know, doing this stuff is, is valuable. And we're wondering what you think if it's working or not, right? Like this idea of like changing the eyes to use and flipping it into talking about that person. When you're first skimming an email, you immediately just like you, oh, talking to me, right? So that really, really helps. The second thing is when it comes to email and when it comes to these types of requests, I get this all the time. These like inbound, I want to meet with you. Let me know when you can, blah, 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 blah. We are always, we are inundated with with decision-making all the time. So when you're making a request via email, the most the the most multiple choice you can make it, right? Like the does it fit into this box? Yes, no, binary, or hey, let's meet at this point, at this time, this point, at this time, or this point. Do those things work for you? The better, right? Like I I, I kind of put this back to this idea of buying milk at Whole Foods. The first time I went to buy milk at Whole Foods, I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, there was like 50 different types of milk. I was just used to seeing skim, 2% or regular. And I got there. I'm like, oh my God, there's goat and then there's cashew and then there's coconut and all this stuff. It becomes overwhelming, right? Like reduce that thing to skim, regular and 2% and you're going to get much better responses when you're trying to engage with people via email, right? So make it about them and then limit the amount of decisions that they have to make when they're having to reply to you, right? Then next is... In order to engage with people, in order to get these insights and get these things going, being inviting is huge. You are looking for ways to interact with the market, right? So you can go to something, but it really, really helps when you have a reason to reach out to people and invite them. And one of the things that I love to tell people is that you don't have to be the host of a party to be the person that invited them to the party, right? I think the the epitome of this is my buddy, Justin Latour, who when he goes to conferences, he thinks about the people that he's trying to meet with throughout the conference. And he looks at the schedule and he decides the things that he's going to go to. And he sends emails to the people that he really wants to meet instead of like, hey, can we cut out some time and and like talk at this moment, grab some coffee or whatever, right? Like putting more things on their plate. They're like, oh, I'm going to, he's in real estate. I'm going to this like multifamily investing panel. I'm going to get there early and save a spot. Do you want to come with me? Right. So it's like, oh yeah. You know, again, it's enrolling into something. It's not making time for something. It's enrolling into something that you already want to do and people go. And then guess what? You get the extra five minutes, right? Cause they're there early. Or like when you're done with that, you get that conversation, you get that going. This is one of the big reasons why I'm a big fan of being part of nonprofits. Because when you're a part of a nonprofit, there's always some kind of fundraiser, some kind of networking event, some kind of volunteering event that you can invite people to. And again, you don't have to be the host of it to invite someone, right? So it, it makes a big difference if you figure out a way to consistently invite people to things that people think that they that you are thinking about them, right? So that's one of the reasons why we do this show live is to have a reason to invite you to something every single week. If I'm inviting you to something every single week, then you see me as a person that's trying to add value to your life. Right. And you can come or you can not come, but I thought about you, right? Like I'm making, I'm making content that I think you're going to like, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. You know, if you come, then it's, then, then it's an added value, right? So like figure out ways to be inviting. You're going to go run a 5k, shoot a, shoot a, shoot a list Hey, I, you know, you look like you like to run. You want to run this 5k with me, right? Like whatever it is, look for reasons to invite people and your ability to evangelize is going to go up exponentially. Okay. Next. In this, in this idea of being inviting, one of the big, big game changers in my life is the identification of creating a hometown stadium, right? And what do I mean by creating a hometown stadium? I mean, identifying somewhere where your social validation is going to do part of the heavy lifting for you as far as getting people to understand that you have value and that they may or may not want to be a part of this mission, that they want to be a part of this thing, right? The time that it really, really landed on me for the first time was 
when I lived in Miami, I used to go to this restaurant called MC Kitchen. My wife and I used to walk there. We became kind of obsessed with it for a while. And, you know, like we became friends with the bartender and the bar manager and the chef and the multiple waiters and whatnot. When LeBron came to the heat, <laughs> it became his favorite restaurant. So it became a thing, right? Like my MC Kitchen became a thing. And at some point, when I was going out in the community and building these relationships and doing these different things, I thought, you know what? My follow-up meetings, I'm just going to do them at MC Kitchen. And I'd tell people, hey, you want to meet me here for lunch? They'd be like, yep, yeah, cool. I've heard about that place. They'd show up. And as we're walking in unpresumptively, and the maitre would be like, oh, Pablo, how are you? Good to see you. Great. The bartender would come around from outside the bar. Oh, hey, good to see you, man. Good, oh, yeah, good to see you, Joey. Right? Like the bar manager, we sit down, like multiple waiters come over, chefs come over. The the thing that would happen, I would clearly see it inside someone's brain that as more and more people came out to greet me, they were more and more just fascinated by who they're talking to, more and more convinced that they made a good decision by coming here with me, right? Like that that level of social validation is huge. And you can do that by, you know, knowing everybody at a coffee shop knowing everybody at a restaurant. But one of the big unlocks that happened for me in 2020 was understanding that they're digital hometown stadiums, right? I'll give you an example. If you are somebody that comes to my show often, right? Like, and I am constantly tagging you and saying that whatever you do is a good idea. You know, like people are going to look at you a little bit of a different way if they're new to it. And like you bring something up in the, in the second part and I acknowledge it, right. That, that, that starts becoming a, a hometown stadium. That was exactly what happened with our friend, Jen Filson at the not your average investor show, right. This like live show that we do every single week for JWB. She just became a really active participant. And then she started hosting her own meetups for the not your average investor show that has driven her you know, has has created clients for her in her own business, right? Because she has these reasons to invite people into a place where she's heavily socially validated. I'll give you another example. Amanda Holmes and I have become really close. She is the author of the second edition of The Ultimate Sales Machine. And she went to, she launched a co- online cohort, right? So actually this online cohort that she launched became the inspiration for the online cohort that we do, the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp. I was wavering on whether or not I wanted to take the cohort, but then I realized one thing. I realized that Amanda has taken my advice on a bunch of stuff, right? Like we've done events together. We've created content together. I've given her advice on her own things. She always takes it, including this idea of offering people that joined the, join her cohort, a mention in the book and the, in the back pages. So as I was thinking about whether or not this thousand dollar investment of being part of this online cohort was worth it for me to learn the content, I thought to myself, you know, if I'm there and there's a bunch of people that have paid money to somebody to teach them something and that person that is teaching it is a fan of you, right? Is a fan of me specifically. And I'm able to contribute and I'm able to ask you know, intelligent questions. I'm also working through my business model when I'm there and talking about the things that I do. Cause it's one of these kinds of like, it was this, um, core story bootcamp. Then when Amanda validates the fact that we've worked together and that she values my advice, everybody else in the room is going to immediately give it value. Right. And I was right. <laughs> right. That, that course that I took based on the fact that when I would chime in, she knew so much about my business model. She spoke about it glowingly. That built up my pipeline really, really quick of people that took the class that I then launched, prospects for doing the show for, right? The stuff that we do, like the done for you services happened really, really quick. Those were some of the best sales conversations I've ever had because I walked in the door of, I'm already socially validated by the person that's running this thing, right? That became a hometown stadium for me, right? So these like, these ongoing shows that you can show up with people and build a relationship and like have social validation in the chat, like people have done in Demand Gen Live for for Chris Walker or showing up to someone's online cohort class that you're tight with to work through messaging or whatever. And then everybody, other people in that room being people that are valuable clients to you already being more cooked by your relationship with the teacher. That's real. That's a hometown stadium, just the same way as a restaurant where everybody knows you. Right. So this idea of evangelizing, if you can engineer the environments where you interact will already give you more social validation, then your message is going to land much better. So that was a huge unlock for me where everybody knows your name. Exactly. Denise, that is, that is a super, super valuable thing. Right. So what's that show? Which show Denise? Let me know. So now let's talk about the content creation side. 
right? So as a as a evangelist, you're going out there, you're evangelizing this problem, you're interacting as much as possible, you're engaging as much as possible in order to in order to get insights. And then your job as the evangelist is to turn those insights into content, into things that you continue to repeat. When I was first in Miami, that content was get on panels, on stages, make presentations in front of like different organizations and stuff like that. Nowadays, man, that content is a lot easier to scale, right? Like putting this stuff on LinkedIn, putting it on Facebook, doing all these different things. That is how you now get to test your insights at a much bigger scale, right? And one of the most important things is the hook point, right? The hook point is that thing that stops you in your tracks, right? Like this idea of like, you're joining someone's conversation. It's what, it's what has them, you know, like stop where they're going, turn around and be like, Oh, you want to join this conversation? Let's go. Right. Brendan came one of my first clients who built a million followers on in 30 days on social media, wrote the book world's foremost content strategist. He, his second book was all about hook points. And the way that he puts it is that in this really, really noisy world where you're getting bombarded with all this different stuff, right? Like we scroll the length of the Eiffel Tower once a day on our phone on average. You need to have hook points that are akin to you're walking down a busy terminal, going to your flight. You're not early, you're not late, but you don't plan on stopping. You look to the right and you see a newsstand. And in that newsstand, there's 50 magazines. And out of those 50 magazines, there's one that has this one headline in it that makes you stop where you're going, walk over, pick up the magazine and open it. Right. That is the exercise that you, that you want to have with your hook points. It's that way to stop the scroll. It's a way to like get somebody to pay attention to you because it doesn't matter how great the advice that you give that's in a minute long video. If they don't stop in the first three seconds, you lost them when it comes to online. Right. If you're in a conversation with someone and you don't bring up something that interests them with them, the ADD that people have is like, all right, cool. I'm just going to look around the room, see who else is more interesting. Right. So a couple of things to think about with hook points, few words, you know, like the, the more compact you can make them, the better. Right. So like make them matter. We built a $40 million community out of a podcast. That's one of my biggest hook points, right? Like that one lands. It is real quick. Other things, other things that are, that's great for, for hook points, a pattern interrupt. Listen, if you're not building a community, you're just building a commodity. Say what? Right. So that idea that gets someone, you know, just to get somebody interested. Cause at that point it's like, yeah, man, you know, like in this digital future where everything is just getting commoditized, like your only, your only, you know, moat is the people that you have around you. So you got to be building a community around whatever you're doing. Right. That gives me the opportunity to then say the next one. Another, another good way to like hook somebody in that is a, a more elementary way is start with the words, you know, how, right. So like, you know, how you're working on all this social media content and it doesn't really feel like it's really moving the needle for you. Oh, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> right. They're like leading with a problem. Well, you know, we do that. We do the stuff that you do for networking. We put that into, we put that into social media content strategy. Right. So like, you know how like you're able to walk in a room and meet people. That's what we do. But through networking, we create the social validation by creating content around the people that, you know, and the clients that, you know, and that's the best way to that's the best way to engage with somebody. Right. So this that the the you know how is a good kind of like bridge into trying to get somebody into a hook point. Right. Like identify something that they know already and then describe it in a new way. Right. Like that idea of like the obvious and non-obvious is a really good hook. Another thing that's really, really valuable when you're thinking about content, just for the, for the idea of an evangelist is how can you become a tour guide? (laughs) Right. Think about that. That simply again, back to this whole Winwood example. One of my, one of my earliest forays into, into content creation, getting attention from people is I was living in Winwood. I was living in this really cool neighborhood that people didn't know that much about because it was new in Miami and it was really, really hip. And I kept on getting asked, I'm going to Winwood for the first time. How can I take somebody, you know, where should I take my wife? Right. So at some point I just started collecting all my favorite restaurant spots, turned it into a list. I would just immediately shoot it to people. And the big aha moment came for me when I started using that list for much more than that. Right. I started just seeing anybody that 
I wanted to get to know, right? Like, again, the hood point thing. I'm out there trying to evangelize. I'm trying to make connections with someone. And I'm like, oh, you ever been to Winwood? No, but I've been wanting to. It's like, listen, man, I'm going to send you this list of things that I have that is going to be the best, the best recommendations to go there. I then started using it even after I moved to Jacksonville. And I still had that list before 2020 and everything shut down. I know people were going to conferences that I wanted to connect with in Miami. I'd be like, oh, hey, take this list. This is going to make you the coolest person in the room, right? Like, I became the tour guide through content. Right. And at the end of the day, what is that? That's a lead magnet. Right. How do you become the tour guide in your space about something that allows people to like opt in? Right. It allows people to 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 join in on the conversation that you're trying to have. And and you don't need to be a tour guide about anything. You don't have to be an expert to be a tour guide is the reason why I like to reference it as a tour guide. Right. It's just like we do this one thing where when we launch shows, we interview our clients' clients across all of their pain points in their in their client journey, right? And we're asking them, man, when you had this problem and you didn't realize that there was somebody out there that solved it for you, kind of like what were the things that you were doing that didn't work for you? Then what were the things that you did that did work for you that got you to the solution, right? And if you interview like five, six clients about that stuff, now you have this thing where someone's trying to do business with you and you can send them this video of like, oh, hey, do you want to know the five, you know, the five things that I've worked for past clients when they were trying to figure out if they wanted to hire a career coach or if they wanted to hire, you know, insert insert what you do here, right? You know, think of yourself as a tour guide when you're making content and ask people questions that you can compile into something that you can then give recommendations based on, right? That will allow you to continue to bring more and more people into like whatever you're evangelizing because they will understand that you have value to offer them. And then finally, the biggest, the biggest aha moment for me was this idea of being the stage. And when that hit me was, you know, I had, I had been, I had been kind of pigeonholed in my career, right? Like I was doing all the stuff, evangelizing these things outside of, outside of my business. And I thought that I was going to get laid off, quite frankly, right? But at the same time, I got named top 20 under 40 in Brickle Magazine because of all the stuff I was doing in the community. <laughs> and it all came together for me when I got invited, my CEO at the time got invited to speak on a panel about smart cities in front of the Economic Development Agency of Miami. Last minute, he decides he doesn't want to go. So they sent me in a step. And I get there and it's like a room of like 70 people. And I share the stage with like the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the Smart Cities Initiative for the World Bank and me, who thinks he's about to get laid off kind of thing. And what happened after that was amazing, right? We just did our thing. Thanks to the community engagement and all the stuff that I was doing, I'm pretty good on on public speaking and answering questions. And when I got off that stage for the first time ever, there was a line six deep waiting to talk to me. And what happened at that point was I started thinking, what's going on here, right? Like, why are, why are these vendors trying to like think that I have any pull in my business? Why are these developers asking if, you know, I want to go work for them? Why is this kid asking me for mentorship? And I was like, oh man, when you're on a stage and somebody's in the audience, people, the brain justifies what it sees, right? So this idea that you're in the audience and they're on the stage, your brain tells you that what they're saying is important. Right. Like their skill set, their knowledge is at an elevated level than mine. And that's why I'm here to observe it. Right. So they give extra, they attribute extra value, extra credibility, extra validation to whatever it is. And then on top of that, on that particular stage, I was there with two people of really high ilk. And that whole guilty by association thing is real. Right. So if you're on a stage with somebody and they are of a certain level, people in the audience that are watching assume that in that moment you're at that level. And my next move right after that was not, oh, how can I go speak on more stages? It was, wait a minute, I've got these groups of young professionals in South Miami. I can invite people and put them on a stage and share it with them. And as a result, I can bring people in that I want to build a relationship with, give them this validation in front of people, connect them to other people that they want to be guilty by association with, and I get to be guilty by association with them, right? So this idea of being the stage was born off of that. And as time has gone on, it's clearly evolved, right? Like clearly you don't need to have a auditorium rented out in order to do this. You don't have to have the back room of a bar with a stage. You can do this stuff on Zoom. This is what I do every single week here, right? I bring on people that I want to be guilty by association with and talk to you about them next to them because it allows me to do all of these things that I'm saying in evangelism. It allows me to be inviting. 
It allows me to gain insights from you because you're now interacting what's happening. It allows me to become guilty by association with the expertise of the people that that I want to be at their level and also gain insights from them, right? Like it's this really, really efficient technique that does that checks all the boxes, right? I get to evangelize this idea that community creation is the future of business development every single week. I get to gain insights from all the different ways that I said, and I'm making content about it nonstop. And I'm testing hook points, right? Like, what am I doing today? I'm testing this hook point. I'm testing this stuff to see if it works. And this, this has become the nuclear reactor at the, at the center of my evangelism practice, which is why we are so into this. And as we have, as we have learned, right? If you're going to build a community, you need to become an evangelist. You need to systematize it and then create the watering hole. This idea of a internet talk show is doing all the things at the same time, right? Like it's the watering hole because we connect here every every single week. It's creating content and it's gaining insights and I'm evangelizing the problem, right? And what I find with people when they're when they're in this motion, when they're when I ask them, you know, like how are you evangelizing things? They have a really really hard time attributing value to it, right? Like they have this really hard time of saying, yep, I need to put this much time into evangelizing when I really got to be doing all this other stuff. So the key to it is finding very, very efficient ways to do it that serve these other buckets, right? That's why we've created this methodology because while I'm here, I'm also feeding all these other needs as well. So I'm not really just, this is, this doesn't count as evangelism time for me, right? This is market insight. This is message testing. This is content creation time. This is networking time. This is evangelization time, right? So that's why we really, really believe in this, in this relationship flywheel and back to the diversification thing, right? We decided to teach it because the more people that we can teach doing this thing, the more that people apply this, right? So we've had, we've now had three cohorts happen and the, the, the insights that we're getting as a result of teaching this thing now are scaling beyond even just our clients and ourselves, right? I have a engineer in Colorado who is doing this thing to like ingratiate himself into like city engineers and like rural counties that allow him to like pull specific strings, right? Like there's a, an optometrist that's doing this thing, doing a weekly show because he is essentially creating an ecosystem of like how to teach other optometrists how to do this stuff. It is the way that they evangelize it, the way they bring it in, all these things. These, these are, these are different techniques that I never even thought of, right? Like, so we're getting all this different feedback and it's great, which is why we're super pumped to be doing this, the fourth cohort, which I would love for you to be a part of, right? We all, we often get asked all about it, right? Like what's in it. So we put this slide together. We're starting in February and it's six weeks of live training and coaching with myself and with Gina and, and our staff, right? So look at our hourly rate. We got some values here, right? Like I, the, the number one thing I get about this thing is that I don't charge enough for it. So we, we, we try to tabulate it all up, but right. Like these like six weeks of instruction, it's a $9,000 value. We've got this, the quick start guide of getting all the things ahead of time, right? Like we have edited the past ones and you get them immediately so you can get to work and then start, you know, like doing it with us. That's easily a thousand dollar thing. We're going to sell that solo at some point. Right now, we're just including it in it. The SOPs, right? Like the 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 time it took to create all these operating documents, so that you don't have to do it yourself. The whole thing, right? Like you can just give it to people and they can do it for you, and it's standardized already. The moment that you're ready to do that, that's easily three months of work for like a three thousand dollars a month consultant, <coughs> Gina. The technical trainings, we're training people on Descript, we're training people on Airtable, right? Like these are the softwares of the future that people are using to make and manage content. So just that by itself is 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 worth a lot. The, the community that we have is awesome right now. It's actually really starting to thrive. And the graphic templates, right? We give you all these graphic templates so that you can use them. So I would love for you to be part of this next bootcamp. Go to be the stage.live slash bootcamp. Right now, the first five people that get in, you put in first five, you spell out first, you put in the number five, and you're going to get 500 bucks off. Right now, we're selling it at 1500 bucks. You're going to get it for 997. So I hope to have you there. Go to it, sign up. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that thing. I'd love to hear what you thought about that. I know that some of you are already evangelists, right? So if you're if you're doing it, if you got frameworks of what's worked for you, would love to hear about it. Also, highly recommend 
the Chief Evangelist podcast by Ethan Butte. He's only like 11 episodes into it. I've listened to all of them. It's phenomenal. So go check that out. And if you missed episode 210, where we break down this three-step process towards like making community work for you, go back, check that one out. That's where I introduced the value of the evangelist and where it fits into this whole community building strategy. So you might want to go check that one out. Episode 210 here on the Chief Executive Connect. Oh, not Chief Executive Connector, the B2B Community Builder Show. Chief Executive Connector was actually my first term for an evangelist, I guess, before I knew that term. And of course, got to thank my team as always. Number one, I always thank Roanne because she just keeps me doing all the things I need to be doing as the account manager on this project. Gina, who's built this amazing world-class culture and brought us an amazing team and recruited amazing talent like her right-hand Marge, who makes everything happen. Um, JP, our employee number one, who does all the all the cool stuff, right? He's making all the videos, he's making all the all the audio stuff. Everything that you see and touch is touched by the creative uh, director of our company, JP, employee number one, who is training another awesome creative, Philippe, to um, you know follow in his footsteps and do great things for us, like the client activations that we do for our clients. So repurposing that type of content, all helped by Rita, our content strategist, who basically takes the things that we promise and make sure that you get the results that we say um, based on the content that we are creating, right? Like making sure it's all congruent, the story is right, that you're getting the results that you need. Our two awesome account managers, uh, Joanna and Joyce, and our amazing superstar writer, Nicola, who has been my buddy now for going on like four or five years. He's turning into a man. When I first started mentoring when he was 13, he interviewed me on a podcast and now he's becoming a world-class writer. So I want to thank the whole team and I want to encourage you to always, always consider the impact of relationships being more valuable than transactions. See you next week.